Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. For SEN America, this is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the SEN NBA podcast. As always, I am your host, Luke Sakari, and we come at you at the end of the Summer League, so plenty to chat about with all the rookies. We, we know we've had some big draft and, and rookie class discussions on the SEN NBA podcast. We finally got to see them in action for the very first time, albeit against limited competition, but still plenty to dissect there. A whole lot more player movement stuff to touch on, some potential moves or some just made-up moves, I should say, that could happen. will be very, very fun to chat about. And with us, as always, across the desk from me, Mike Velasaris. Mikey, how are you, mate? Good, Chris. Uh, My sorry, name's not Chris. Chris. Ah, good, good, Luke. How are you, mate? I'm gonna have to review sorry, that. Yeah. Might need to review that contract. That no, day. that contract's going well for you, boys. It's still, I think, bargain basement, but it's uh, it's good to be in on a Thursday uh, uh, afternoon or it's evening, a night. as you want to say. <laughs> You've had two. I've had dinner, so you've you know, had I... two mares in the first minute. So if you want to keep up with all these other stuff ups, at still at Mike Val Twelve on Twitter, Mick Val, Mick Val, Mick Val 12. Twelve on Twitter, if you want to get all these other up, stuff up. Get involved ups. in some conversation on the line, Christos Tyler. Hello, Chris. Hello, mate. I'm loving the fact that uh, Mickey Vell's had a couple of shockers to start off the show because he actually hasn't let me in the studio since he's uh, he has a guy on the podcast. So it's kind of like I was just watching that 30 for 30 before Mike and the Mad Dog um, mm-hmm. on the weekend where these two guys had such big egos that they couldn't really work together in the same studio and they started really hating each other and couldn't even look each other in the eye during the show. I feel like that's kind of what Mick has become to me. He can't stand <laughs> to look me in the eye. Uh, he's the up-and-comer. I'm the guy that's been in the chair for a while. I feel like I'm starting to be threatened a little bit because he he just won't let me back in the studio. So that's why I'm on the phone. I wanted to come in. Mickey said, no way. You can stay where you are. Just go on the phone. So I apologize that I'm not in there, but uh, that is the exact reason. Uh, in the words of Conor McGregor, someone old has got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see, we've got a bit of a um, friendly fire. A bit of rivalry just... here. I like it. I think well, it's good for the... For the competition, it's good for the team. <laughs> not you know, you've got someone pushing the starter back to the bench and the bench players trying to get on the starting five. And and that's what it's about over here. And that's what we're going to dissect in this uh, podcast coming up. Well, let's... Exactly. And make sure you you got you to give my... If, if, if he's getting his Twitter, <laughs> then I've got to get mine a shout-out as well. That Christos Tyler. So, I don't know. I just... I'm probably more of an entertaining follower than Mick as well, so we'll see how we go. Well, maybe you don't stuff up as much. Celtics fan. Well, if you want to, if you want to be bored by the Celtics, then yeah, follow Chris. <laughs> well, let's chat about a bit with the Celtics and all the other teams we saw at the summer league over the past fortnight or so in in Las Vegas and Utah and all the other places they perform at the summer league. 
Uh, we should start with the champions of the Summer League, and that was the Lakers. You know, Magic Johnson made that massive uh, uh, declaration at the end of it, the Lakers are back after a Summer League victory. I'm not going to go that far. But, hey, we saw Lonzo Ball. We have to start with Lonzo Ball because he is the talk of the town. Now, as you know, Summer League, for me, I don't put that much stock value in it, only because majority of the players that are playing in the Summer League won't be playing NBA minutes next year. So you have to tamper expectations in terms of look who the competition is. And obviously the competition isn't that great. But hey, we saw Lonzo Ball for the very first time, Mike, and he looked awesome. His his vision was unbelievable. The way he was looking at uh, his teammates, seeing the floor, reading the plays, making the right pass, put a teammate in the right position. Turnovers were up. Shooting wasn't great. But he was, everyone lauded this guy coming in for his playmaking ability. They said it is second to none. It is, it looked like that way in the Summer League. He came in with so much pressure on him. We all know of LeVar Ball saying, you know, he's going to be the next best thing. So, so much pressure on his on his 19-year-old son's shoulders. And he came out and he had his first game when he shot one from 11 from the three-point. Mm. I think he was three or two from 15 yeah, in total. Not good. A shocker of a game. What was that? That was because of the sneakers. Oh, he was wearing the big ball, <laughs> the big ball shoes. Didn't wore the Nikes, wore the Kobe's. He was back back in the game. Didn't that become a subplot? What shoes he yeah. was wearing each game? That was absolutely hilarious. But look, he did he did reel off after all that. He handled his pressure. He got two triple doubles. He had four games with ten plus assists. No other rookie in summer league history has had more than one game mm. with ten plus yep. assists. I'll read off his averages. You can't read too much into the averages, but 16.3 points, 9.3 assists, 7.7 rebounds, and two and a half steals a game. He is the real deal. He's going to be a great player. He looks, he's been compared to Jason Kidd a lot. I see that a bit. He's the real deal. Lakers got a really good one. And I'm starting to think, did maybe Philly, <laughs> did maybe Philly stuff up going with Fultz? But. I will quote this when Dwayne Wade said, he goes, this may be a special draft class mm. like 2003. Uh, Chris, what what have you got? Your thought, I know you're, you've got, you've been watching the Summer League. He's our draft more than, expert. Yeah, than more than me and uh, Luke have. Yeah, well, I'd just like to firstly give myself, I just, I just want to early gloat about my uh, Lonzo Ball pre-draft endorsements because when we were doing our pre-draft shows, I was banging on about Lonzo Ball, how much... I loved him. I actually didn't see much Markel Fultz at all throughout the regular season. I watch a lot of college basketball, and Markel Fultz was just not on Australian TV. If you clicked on ESPN, I don't think he had a single game. There was no watching the games on throughout the entire season. UCLA, however, big market team, watched a lot of Lonzo Ball and loved the way he played. So throughout the entire season, he was my favorite player. I'll probably, again, it's hard to tell because um, I didn't see Markel Fultz play in real time. But I thought that he, he could have easily been number one. In the end, it's still way too early to determine whether he or Markel Ford should have gone number one. You can't really re- truly assess that for another four or five years. But the way that this guy plays, the way he makes his teammates better, you saw how much better he made Cole Kuzma. This is a guy who got selected at number 27 in the draft. A lot of people might have thought that was a bit of a reach. But he made Cole Kuzma the, the Summer League Norm Smith, pretty much yeah. MVP of the, of the Summer League Championship Tournament. They had 30 so, points in the final, I'm pretty sure, didn't he, Kuzma? Yeah. He did, and I think a lot of that came down to the fact that he was playing with Lonzo Ball. He is a guy that makes everyone else around him better, and we saw that phenomenal punch pass as well. Mm. And I think the semifinal game was it, which yeah. was a highlight. It was everywhere on Twitter after it happened, and it, it just goes to show how creative 
of a basketball player he is, how easy he sees the court. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Unfortunately, it'll be with the Lakers, but I'm still <laughs> going to love this kid throughout his entire career. I hope he can have a career similar to a Jason Kidd or someone like that because we basketball, we just we just want a lot of talent in the league. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't want to see players become busts, even though the Celtics had a chance to draft Marco Fultz. I still want him to be a superstar, even though... Um, Lonzo's at Lake because we still want to see him do really well. But I, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Lonzo when it kind of, it, it, uh, it all comes back to with the season that he had. Now, unfortunately, he didn't play against um, De'Aaron Fox. Mm. In March Madness, uh, De'Aaron Fox pretty much lit Lonzo Ball up and yeah. completely got the best of him. And when it came to the rematch in Summer League, even though you can't really call it a rematch because it's just it's Summer League and really in the end, who cares? Um, I would have liked to have seen that rematch happen, but I don't know whether Lonzo was legitimately uh, injured or whatever. But they didn't, they didn't, they didn't square off at any stage during, during summer league, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think um, just to add on to that point, I think a lot of people in the pre-draft um, uh, weeks and days, and then on draft night and just after that, a lot of people, and rightfully so, did get caught up. In LeVar Ball, and in all the talk and all this and all that. And look, already he's quiet. We'll yeah. This again before the draft. Once he gets drafted and once the season kind of gets underway, even though the season hasn't really gotten underway uh, already, obviously ESPN in the first couple of games did a lot of interviews with him. But yeah. really, since he's kind of moved away from the big baller brand, since he's been wearing the, the Adidas and the, and the Nikes, we don't really see much LeVar Ball anymore. I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, once the season actually starts, I don't think that they have anything to worry about. Lakers fans about Levar doing his thing. I think he's going to slowly. It's it's like that uh, Simpsons gif with Homer kind of retreating into the hedges. Yes, yes, yes. I like that. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, and it allowed us to remember how good of a talent this kid is. You know, a lot of it was with Levar Ball and what he says, but we finally just got to. A bit of a reminder to say, hey, there's a reason he went number two and has been lauded since high school and why he was so highly rated, and we got to see that. Hey, another point guard that impressed in the Summer League was Dennis Smith. I want to talk to you a bit about him, Chris. He looked full of energy, and he looked NBA-ready, this guy, didn't he? Incredibly quick, incredibly athletic. He is the point guard that the Mavericks have been after for a long, long time, and he's going to be a sensational pickup. This is another one of those guys who was... Uh, a really good player on a not-so-good team in college. He was playing for NC State. They didn't make the tournament, so unfortunately, two of the best uh, point guards in this draft, two of the four best point guards, you'd say, in the draft, didn't actually make much matters. And this is the, the scene that you really want them to, to display their talent on. Unfortunately, Dennis Smith didn't have the chance to do that, but he does look phenomenal. He is going to be a scorer. I think he's pretty NBA-ready at the moment, and a lot of Mavericks fans are sitting there licking their lips going, I can't believe this guy fell to us. What was it, pick, pick nine? Pick or? nine. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a phenomenal pick for him. He's going, it, to, be, he's going to be a good pro for 15 years. Um, is it um, an, another one where the Knicks completely stuffed up picking Laurie <laughs> Markinen at number eight? Oh, Chris. we can't. We can't. I'm just saying, but, like, they didn't really have a point guard. They had Rose, but they they'd obviously didn't. As we've seen now, they really didn't have them him in their future plans. Um, did 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 they? Do you think it's early to say? But did you do you think they've maybe stuffed it up again? As we've seen them stuff up so many things in the I past. Wanna, I don't. I don't want to say that they stuffed it up already. We haven't. Frank Nilekina hasn't played in summer league, has he? Yeah. Is, is yeah. He, no, I don't think. So. No, is it? 
Oh, yeah. Wrong player. Yep. <laughs> I said the wrong player. Yeah. Continue. Mark, Mark went to Bulls. Mark yeah, yeah, went to yeah, the Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they, they um, yeah, Nick's drafted uh, the French guy, Frank Nilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could still be very good. I don't think we saw him in Summer League. I, I don't know no. if I watched any Nick's games, but he def- I, I can't remember watching him at all. So you can't really determine that as an L for the Knicks until we see what he's capable of. He could still be a phenomenal player. So I think it is way too early to, to assess. I didn't watch any of the European guys, so I don't know how good Nilla Kenner is, apart from some highlights. And obviously, everyone looks good on highlights. I don't actually know how good this kid is. So for me, at the draft, I probably personally would have chosen Dennis Smith over Frank Nilla but a lot of people had Frank Nilla rated very, very highly. So I think it's way too early, even though Dennis Smith has shown that he's capable of playing against some league competition, it's still way too early to write off what Frank Nellikana can become. Um, and with that, saying that, uh, Dennis Dennis Smith uh, Jr. is probably going to start, do you believe, with, with the Mavs as well? I mean, they don't really have a, a starting point guard. They've got um, JJ Barrera on their side as well. So that could also, he could be going in with a good chance of winning uh, Rookie of the Year as well. Yeah, I think he's he's one of the top three favorites, isn't he? I think it's Newton, mm. Fultz, and Simmons. Are they the top three? Yeah, uh, yep. yeah, and Lonzo, and Lonzo, yeah, and Lonzo. Yeah. So he'd be one of the top four, I'd say. Yeah. Hey, Chris, someone who looked NBA ready as anyone, Jason Tatum. Um, he put up about eighteen points in six games. Obviously drafted by your Celtics. This this guy looked just uh, he looked settled. He came in and he just. He looked like he belonged. And again, we have to stress it. We've got to put this overriding message on everything we say here. It is a summer league, so they weren't um, they weren't playing NBA guys. But hey, I know, Mike, you would want to quickly touch on Tatum as well. I just wanted to say there's something that feels different about this summer league. Maybe I've, made, I've paid more attention to this summer league than past summer leagues. But... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just there's something that feels a little bit different about this summer league, I and think, especially I think this draft is. class as well. I, th- I think what it is about the summer league, it's the excitement around Lonzo Ball. Now, the, those Lakers games were packed, and all the fans were there to see one guy, and that was Lonzo, and he created this aura about mm. the summer league. It was almost like the summer league. It was leading stories on SportsCenter mm. online. Like the NBA yeah. Summer League. Le- LeBron was In the middle of baseball yeah. season and, and yeah. NFL season's not too far away. Um, you got some big golf tour, British Open golf's on. But yet, yeah, the Summer League was leading headlines and it was all because of Alonzo Ball. Mm. There's something about this kid mm. where people are just, they, their appetite well, for I mean, him doesn't stop. His dad is the ultimate no, but you hype see, man. But it wasn't, it wasn't because of his dad, though. It was because of him. And they weren't speaking about Lavar, like we mentioned before. Maybe the first couple of days, yes. The conversation and the narrative. That, I believe that's what got them there. Yeah, the yeah, people it would, there definitely would dad. have helped. But the and then narrative, his play, of course. The narrative switched to how he was playing, course, which was yeah. absolutely tremendous. I think that's why it felt a bit different because there was more of an excitement. In Australia, you got a lot of attention. You had a few Aussies down there, a lot of NBL talent down there, which was just great to see. We saw Jonah Bolden. Yeah, yeah. The Aussie guy picked a 36 by the, yeah. uh, the 76. We saw Tory Craig. Fantastic. Tory Craig played for Brisbane Bullets last year, now signed by the Denver Nuggets, who absolutely showed out mm. in the summer league from all reports from a few of the NBA NBL guys down there and a few Australians that the Nuggets absolutely loved what Tory Gregg was being in on that uh, defensive end, the energy. Mm. So that was great to see. Um, but back to Jason Tatum, quickly, Christos, w- what did you see from him? Because to, to us, anyway, he looked he looked good. He looked like he belonged. He did that Dirk fadeaway. Yeah. <laughs> he, he relied on that shot. 
a lot in summer league and more often than not it went in. I don't know how well that could translate to the NBA when you've got bigger guys playing on him and he won't have as much time to set up those shots because you saw a lot of time. It did take him a couple of seconds to get into the rhythm of the shot before he actually left it. So yeah. you're going to see in the NBA, he's going to have that double team come up to him in a lot less time than, than it took in, in summer league. But from what we were able to see from Jason Tatum, he is just a, a pure scorer. He can score from all three levels. His mid-range game is probably his best, but he actually rebounded a lot better than I was expecting as well. His, his rebounding numbers were, were a lot better. I think it was, what, seven... Uh, was, he eight point eight rebounds in Utah and then yeah. eight in Vegas. So yep. he was really pulling the boards down. He, he he looked like he belonged. He looked confident. Um, I, I don't know how he's going to go playing in um, in Brad Stevens' system as a rookie who's not going to be the focal point of the offense. This is a guy who's relied a lot on playing ISO ball. This is how he he scores. He creates his own shot. Whereas Brad Stevens' offense relies on a lot of movement. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to go because he can be somewhat of a ball stopper. We did see that in summer league a lot, but besides that, that that's all the negatives. But besides that, it was all positives for Jason Tatum. The, the, the clip that he was shooting the ball at from three, he was he had a couple of buzzer beaters throughout the tournament as well. A couple of nice Paul Pierce esque moves. Yeah, mm. it's, it's in between Dirk and and Paul Pierce at times. So if you can kind of get your name in the same category of those two players after your first summer league campaign and you've clearly done something right. He he only made the second team uh, all summer league, but look, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, with what Tatum has been able to prove to everyone uh, in his first month and a bit at the, at the Boston Celtics. Before we move on from the summer league chat, one more name I wanted to mention, Donovan Mitchell. Now, this is another guy that really stood out. He had a 37-point outburst earlier in the summer league where he looked really athletic and strong. And he had a nice change of pace about him, some shiftiness. He looked awesome, Chris. I wanted to quickly get your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell. Because to me, just watching it, I'm like, this guy, he stood out to me. He really stood out playing down there for Utah. Yeah, he made my um, my trade <laughs> proposal of a couple of weeks back look stupid, didn't he? Yes, he did. Just, just uh, read it. Do you remember what that trade was? Just it was re- something like, um, what was it? Ro- was it Rozier and Crowder for... Haywood, who was coming over mm. as a reason anyway, and Donovan Mitchell, it was something yeah. along those lines. And it didn't work. The money would have worked. <laughs> they were essentially trading Rozier for Mitchell. Mm. I didn't think that Mitchell was going to be this lights out. He has played phenomenal basketball. He is, yeah. again, like Dennis Smith, an incredibly fast player, incredibly fast, incredibly athletic, really good defensively. Didn't make the first team or second team uh, summer league, uh, surprisingly. That goes to show how strong this summer league was. But yeah, I think the, uh, the the Utah Jazz fans are going to be pretty excited. Obviously, it's still a disappointing off-season for them, but I think the silver line is going to be the fact that they can uh, kind of give the ball to Donovan Mitchell a lot, uh, you know, to run that second unit, you'd say, throughout the season. So he, he can do some pretty exciting things. I think they've got a lot of excitement on the horizon for Utah Jazz. And just before we move on, I'll just while we're on the Summer League, just... Uh, for our Aussie connection, obviously we're all Australian. Um, Jonah Bolden, I was really, I was really impressed with how he went about it. Uh, I think the the Seventy Sixers were very impressed. He was impressed with himself. I mean, he he's adamant he wants to stay in America. He wants to play on the on yep. the Seventy Sixers roster. They have a full roster of fifteen, so it can't be done. They have said he will go back. I think he's in Serbia for yeah, another year, Europe, and then yep. they're gonna they've got a clause where they can buy him out for I think it's five hundred grand to get him over next year, but. 
I just wanted to get both of you guys' thoughts if you had any. Yeah. Because um, yep. I was very impressed Look, with how he went. Jonah Bolden is a guy that went the unusual route to get to the NBA. He didn't go. He was at a big college and he decided to go to you because he didn't enjoy his time at the collegiate level. And this is a guy that he, last season overseas, he showed a game sense that when he had the ball, I think he's about 6'9", six, 6'8", six, he's very tall, but he played like a guard. He would take the ball from from baseline to baseline, run really quick, showed great athleticism. He, his defense was really good. He just, he he had that, we talk about that magic word all the time, versatility. Got to be versatile in today's modern NBA. Chris, I know we've spoken about Jonah Bolden a lot. I'm not on this podcast, but in other ones, we've spoken about him a fair bit. And he's a guy that just... He he breeds the modern NBA player. Mm. He's got all the elements and all the ingredients that he can come in from day dot and be an impactful player. And we saw uh, we saw glimpses of that in the summer league. But he's a guy that he, just the way he plays. He's so versatile at his size. Can do so much with the ball in his hand. Pretty good off the ball as well. Maybe his focus and energy on the defensive end has to be a bit of a work in progress. But he's a guy that just, like I said, you watch him play and you think he will just slot into any team as a rotational piece really nicely just because of the way he plays. Yeah, you're spot on there. You, when you said versatile, you're extremely right. He could, he has the ability and the quickness and the toughness to pretty much guard one through five. And we yeah. kind of did see that throughout summer league. He was playing on guards, he was playing on big guys. And he had the ability when he was playing on big guys to stretch him out to the three-point line. I think he only hit maybe just over 30% of his threes throughout the entire summer league, so not a tremendous clip, but it was enough to bring that five-man out and kind of get him uncomfortable in his position. So I think regardless of how he performed offensively, what most people would have been really excited about from Jonah Bolden was his defensive versatility. And yeah. like you said, that's kind of the way that the NBA is going at the moment. That's, what, that's, that's the style of basketball that Brad Stevens I am the most teams want yep. to play. That was why when he was falling so far in the draft, I was excited. When it got to two picks before us, I knew that we were either going to end up with Semi Ojale or Jonah Bolden. And in yep. the end, we got Semi Ojale because Jonah Bolden got picked up the, the draft pick before the Celtics had. And look, Semi Ojale has been a fantastic basketball player as well, but Jonah Bolden is going to be in the league for a long time as well. And it is because of that versatility that he spoke about. It's so important in today's NBA, and, and that's exactly what he's got in space. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, we'll move on from the Summer League. It was a lot of fun, but plenty more has happened um, off the court while the Summer League was on. And some rumors that have come up lately is, and we spoke about Carmelo Anthony last podcast about him potentially going to Cleveland, and that obviously isn't going to happen. But there's been strong rumors lately about the Portland Trailblazers and their connections with Carmelo. Now, we've had CJ McCollum publicly trying to get Mallow to come to Portland. We've had reports that, that Damian Lillard and CJ himself have personally contacted Carmelo and spoken to him, say, hey, what do you think of the possibility of coming to the Trailblazers? You know, we can build our little super team. I think CJ even said that if Carmelo were to join them and create their big three, that would make the top three in the West easy, I'm pretty sure his quote was. Yep. Might be a bit of... Immediately, he said, yeah. Immediately. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's a bit of wishful thinking there from Definitely. CJ McCallum. But um, it's an interesting talking point, no less. Just the Camelo Anthony situation in general. I mean, it's becoming clear by day he's not going to be the New York Knicks next season. I mean, there's there's no way. He can't stay right now, can he? Well, 
There's been reports recently as well, as recently as today or yesterday, that saying, you know, now that Phil's gone and now that they've got the new general manager in, that if they get rid of the, the triangle offense, that he's willing to stay and maybe work it out with, with Tim Hardaway but, and maybe Pazingas. But I just don't see him any point. It's They're in, I don't know where they're in kind of like a rebuild. Are they in the middle of a rebuild? Like where are they trying to go? I just think he's 33, 32. He's at the back end of his career. We had an argument about it last week. He's not going to change his play. I reckon he could change his play if he went to a, a contending team. I just don't see him changing his play in 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 New York with Tim Hardaway on that massive contract. He's going to want to be the man. He's not good enough to get him to the promised land. And I think, personally, I think he's got to go. I think we all could agree that yeah. he's probably got to go. His time's up at New York. If yeah. he wants to stay, I just don't. I just don't see any point. No, in it. I, I don't think it's. There's too much. Well, there's smoke, there's fire, and there's way too much smoke around this situation. Yeah. And he's he said it. You know, he wants he he wants the Rockets. He's told New York. He said, "Hey, the, the Rockets are still the team I want to get to." Cleveland's pretty much out of the picture now. Portland's come in very late to, to put their pitch in. Um, I think it's the Rockets now. How if it's if the Rockets, who knows, Chris, but uh, let, let's say we'll play a bit of a hypothetical really quickly before we move on off Mallow. If he were to go to Portland, and I know you, we were chatting about this off air, Chris, prior to the show, the deal that would have to happen to get him acro- across to Portland is quite complex. Yeah. Portland are a team that has a lot of big contracts that they can send to the next in order to make the salary cap match. But the problem for Portland is they're all terrible contracts. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know what the Knicks are willing to take in return. Do they want a couple of those bad contracts? And they're not just expiring contracts either. They're long-term contracts. Alan Crabb has a three-year, three years left in his contract. Same with Evan Turner and Myers Leonard. These guys have multiple years left on their contracts. So you're going to have to have one of those contracts with a bunch of smaller contracts if they want to make it worse. Now, what I propose to you guys, and I don't know whether this works, but this is the only way that we can kind of get salaries matching, is if Portland end up getting Carmelo Anthony and take on Joakim Noah's... Um, yeah, which no, one wants, which no one wants to do. He's on three years on about 18 million plus for those three years. He's on way up. too much and what he way should be. Much. And I just don't think Portland is willing to take that on. And, and I think you added in Nurkic in there, and he had when he got traded mid mid year, yeah, he that, had he Nurkic was, is a big one. He, he almost propelled him to the. Um, he was awesome to the to the top. He, he the, was the awesome. Seat. But the I, issue is, I just is, don't think they swapped that out. Yeah, yeah, but but the issue is that that Chris is saying you don't. If you had a choice, there's yeah. no way you're not well, no. going to get rid of him. But if this were to occur, they might have no choice. But just to match I, up I contracts. Think getting, I because think, New York, let me finish. I think getting Noah is the deal breaker. Yeah, but, but, New York, no. but New York has to get something in return as well. It's a two-way street. No, I mean, for Portland, if they yeah, have yeah, to yeah. add on Noah, they say no. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. They have to get say. salaries to match. No, of course, but and that's, that's the, the deal breaker. I mean, it's just not... It's not, it's uh, not it's, is Melo worth it? Is Melo going to be there three years? Is he going to... Yeah, no, I, I is agree. Is he going to get yeah. you to that top three? That's what... The general manager of the Portland have got to think about: Is he going to get you top three? Is he going to? Are they going to be fighting for a championship in two, three years? No, they're not. Yeah, and they're not. I and mean, that's the bottom line. And another issue is as well, Chris, is how much the Portland love Carmelo. How much are they going to go all, all in on this move? Oh, I don't think so. They haven't said that themselves they're going He's, to go in. It was just yeah, McCallum who's become. And that's there. an important. Yeah. That's an important point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this was drove driven. This story was driven by McCallum. But 
It is a league Unlike. where star players dominate headlines. Well, it's a and league, they have a, it's a lot league. of pulling power. It's a league More so than any other sport. It's a league where the stars often dictate yeah. where teams go. I mean, we're going to chat about LeBron and Kyrie yeah. a bit later on, how that's playing out in Cleveland at the moment. It's a yeah. league where stars dictate how the roster looks a lot of the time. So where Camelo go, it's most likely going to be the Rockets, you'd imagine. He, there's no way he stays in New York. I didn't po- even let me finish off my trade proposal. Oh, we apologize. You can go on now, Chris. Before Mikey interrupts again. Oh, yeah, he's, he's very he's, he's very jumpy. He's just... In the studio. So I just love getting worked up over mellow trade destinations. So here you go. This is I'm going to go through it again. Yes. So, you can do the thing where you go, Carmelo, because he's on $26 million. You can swap him for someone like an Alan Crabb and an Alfa Rukamunu. But if you go Carmelo Anthony and Joe Kim Noah, that's $44 million going to the, the Portland Trailblazers. So then... New York Knicks, in return, can take on that Alan Crabb three-year contract with, the, the, I think it's 19 and a half for the first year, as well as Alpha Rukaminu. Then you'd have to add guys like Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, and there is a Nurkic. Uh, Nurkic is on a great contract. Obviously, it's expiring as well, one year, but it's only $3 million. That trade would work if you go Carmel Anthony, Joachim Noah for Crabb, Aminu, Davis, Vonley, and Nurkic. I don't know how you're going to have enough space on their roster, but that is a trade Thanks to ESPN's trade machine, it actually works. Yeah, and, and like we said, this, the issue is, like we'll discuss, it's Noah and Nurkic. It's, do you take on Noah? Do you want to give up Nurkic? It, it's a massive issue. But again, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to how much they want him, how, how much of Portland want Mallow. And, and, if not, and if the Rockets and the Knicks, we both came up with this one, if the Rockets and the Knicks do it, it's Ryan Anderson, Trevor Reza for Carmelo. And I reckon it works both teams. Both, yeah. I think Me too. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Reese is yeah, handy. They'll probably get rid of him. Yeah, no, but Anderson's works. a very handy player as well, coming off yeah, the bench yeah, or starting. Definitely works. It's more so I don't know how Harden, Mallow, and Chris Paul will work. Well, yeah. for, that, that, that's the greater question for me. But it's three three ball dominant players on the one team. Exactly. Yeah. That that will take a little while to gel. Hundred percent. It'll be so much fun. It, it'll be fun to watch. Definitely, <laughs> I'd love to see that. I'd buy a ticket if we were in America to see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's obviously a move that you can see uh, happening a lot more before that Portland deal. That Portland deal was more to illustrate the fact that it's going to be very hard for Portland to actually get him over and fit him within yeah. uh, the team with all the different things going back and forth. So I yeah. can obviously see that Rockets thing happening a lot more than than, than the Portland trade. But, um, yeah, look, it, it, it'd be funny if it happens, that's for sure. But yeah. it, it is funny that Mick and I, separately, I think we sent at the same time. You did. Chat, the exact same exact message or trade proposal. At the same time. Yeah. Great, hey. great minds, Chris. Great, <laughs> great minds. minds like, hey, to a move that could happen to one that's already happened, uh, Rondo, Rajon Rondo to the Pelicans. Now, not, not a massive move, but something I think it's worth discussing just a little bit. New Orleans is a team a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting about our quickly putting together in two minutes West predictions. I had New Orleans in my um in my in my playoffs in my top top eight. I think I had a eight or six or somewhere just on the back of pure talent. Now Rondo, how does he fit in with New Orleans? How, how does he make him a playoff team, Mike? I don't know. Does he? Well, okay. If <laughs> there's a massive, massive, massive if. And okay. and it is if Rondo can regain some of his Celtics form of oh eight or nine, which won't happen. It won't. It won't happen. If he does, pardon, or his Bulls playoffs form. Yeah, he was good yep. in the playoffs. Yep, yep, yep. I I could maybe consider putting them in the top eight in the West. Consider. I mean, you've got some, as you said, that 
super talented team. And and Rondo's a great player, has been for a while. I mean, he's got he's he's got personality issues yep. with the, the way he, he goes about his stuff. They've just signed Drew Holiday to a five year, hundred twenty six million. He's a point guard. Mm. I open. I'll throw this to both of you. Yep. He can. He's tall enough, but could he thrive at playing the shooting guard no. and playing next to Rajon Rondo at the point guard? Oh, Holiday can Holiday play at the two? Yeah, the Holiday. Oh, yeah, excuse yeah, holiday, me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Is he, oh, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, so, I, yeah. Well, then you then you go to think why would you get Rondo to come off the bench? He's not going to want that. Yeah, but he's going to have to. He might have to come off the bench. I reckon, this is what I think, I reckon they try Rondo's Holiday val- at the two and Rondo at the one and see how it goes. Rondo's value isn't that high. I mean, he wouldn't have had teams flying off as that him left, right, and center. No, no, of, of course. But yeah. I'm saying if he can kind of go back, if he's in a happy situation, we saw him, you know, the Celtics, obviously that was, you know, nine, eight years ago. He's still a good player. I is don't want to, like... He's gone down a lot recently, no, he's but he's a still a capable player. And as you said, the Bulls playoff form, Chris. I'll bring you into this. I mean, what what are your thoughts on uh, on the Pels signing uh, Rondo? I think it's a good move for him. I think we can play Holiday at the two. I don't know why I just said we then, but I think the Pelicans can play Holiday at the two. I like the the prospect of Rondo playing that pick and roll game with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Marcus Cousins. Cousins isn't a great pick and roll. Uh, guy, if he's a role man, but Anthony Davis certainly is in the 66th percentile, shot yep. 52% as a pick and roll man. I, I, I'd like to see how much Rondo can improve that uh, yep. with better passing and, and all that sort of stuff. I just think that the ability to play someone like Roger Rondo, who is without a doubt a pass first point guard, he's not a good shooter at all, he's strictly a pass first point guard. Playing him with Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins, I think, could be really, really fun to watch and really beneficial for the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, and just quickly, those numbers that you read out, you know, Krista Silva, our other co-host of the SCN NBA podcast, hasn't been on lately, hasn't been able to make it, but he tugged those up for us. So, yeah, big shout out to Chris. He's still contributing. He'll be on the podcast very, very soon. Hey, moving on from Rondo really quick, but staying in New Orleans, you mentioned him there, Chris, and I know you've been speaking about him a lot and and uh, manufacturing a lot of potential trades for this man to get to Boston, of all places, of course. Anthony Davis is a guy that you're very excited about and you would love to see going to Boston. And you've you've thrown a heap of trade proposals out there on Twitter just to get the discussion going. We'll start it again now. Anthony Davis to Boston. What are you thinking? What are some of the moves that you think they could make to get the uh, Davis to, to Boston? Well, firstly, this all comes on the back of Chris Mannix's report on the yeah. Pelicans saying that if the Pelicans had another terrible year, then obviously the Celtics will be looking at uh, picking up Davis either Why wouldn't they? Yep. the year, which is the most obvious statement that anyone in the history of the world could have <laughs> because of course the Celtics and pretty much anyone else with enough assets is going to go for because he's probably maybe the second most valuable yeah. player in the league behind Giannis. I don't know if, if I'd give up more for Davis or, or, or Giannis than anyone else in the entire league. So he's certainly someone that I'm willing to give up all his assets for. I didn't want it to go out and get Paul George with one year remaining on his contract. I didn't even want to go out and get Jimmy Butler with two years left on his contract, even though Jimmy Butler had a great salary. Anthony Davis, I'm willing to kind of throw the farm out a little bit. I don't yeah. know if this is still going to be enough, but this is kind of what I proposed on Twitter and, I think 50% of, of the people who responded 
said that this would be enough to get him, and that is if we sent Al Horford to make the salaries match, as well as sending the Nets 18 first, which should be, you'd imagine, top two or three. Yeah. The 2018 Lakers first, which is yeah. pick one protected and then pick six plus protected. But if uh, that one doesn't um, generate, then it's the Sacramento pick unprotected. Uh, Sacramento pick from 2019, it's pick one protected. And then you throw in the Lakers, uh, sorry, the Clippers 19 first pick yeah. and the Memphis 19 first round pick. So there's four first round draft picks. You'd say two top five draft picks and two middle-of-the-road draft picks, you'd say, as well as Al Horford, who's still only 31, 32, got a couple of years left on his contract at the moment, so won't have as much uh, when it comes to the time for trading him. We might need to throw someone like a Terry Rozier into the fold as well just to give the Pelicans that young talent that they probably want from that draft as well. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that that would be enough to get Anthony Davis to the Celtics if that was the case, if he ends up seeking a trade out of New Orleans. No doubt. That is a no-brainer for me. Like, that's that's way, that's a lot. Um, but it, as you said, that's AD's you the man. Down. That's the man you go for. And the, if Pelicans wanted it, that, sure, that's a yeah. great and trade look, for both teams. And look, to get talent, you have to give up talent. You have to, and like you said, Chris, Anthony Davis is the guy. He is the guy. You... And maybe Porzingis. Those three are what I'd give up mm. all those picks for. But I'd, I'd, I'd do it without a doubt in the world. Without mm. a doubt in the world. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the picks are uh, they're unknown commodities. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done. Yes, yeah, they... of course. Davis is still a young guy. He's only, what, 24? Yeah. I yeah. think he is. And yeah. he's still in the decent contract. He's on 27 28 million per year. Still yeah. got a few years left on his contract. He's got a good contract these days in the NBA. That is a good contract, and to have that much time remaining to get someone like that on a team that's ready to contend now, I kind of believe that if the Celtics could pull this off mid-season, I'm not saying I don't expect this to happen whatsoever. There's a one percent chance that it does, but hypothetically speaking, which is what I love talking in hypothetical <laughs> thing, especially at this time of the year when Boston fans enjoy speaking in hypotheticals. Yeah. Well, they have Danny Ainge, and he can do most <laughs> things, so why not? Most things hypothetically. Speaking of hypothetically, <laughs> if we were to make this trade mid-season, yes. I personally think we have the wood on, on Cleveland for sure, mm-hmm. and I feel like we might be able to take Golden State to five games. I think this would make your team the best team in the East by far, and maybe even the second best team in the league. Obviously, you've got to see how these... Uh, these players gel together, but adding a Davis to a Gordon Haywood and a Thomas, I just see it it flourishing. It would be an amazing time for the Celtics fan. Obviously, I don't want to see it because I'm a Philly fan, but I think it's more than enough. And you'd have, I mean, you can you can never bet against a LeBron team, but mm. it's that's the team that could probably take it to the promised land. So you, uh, Chris, you, you Chris. just said there you can never bet against a LeBron team, but the signs at the minute. Is this That's Cleveland team is on very shaky ground? I mean, there are reports. We've said it all along. There are reports. I said it a few weeks ago. I said I'm concerned. I said I'm concerned about. I where said this he's friend. gone after a year. There have been reports from a million people, left, right, and center, that it's becoming more and more likely that LeBron James will depart he Cleveland. Will only stay there if they win a title this year. Kyrie, That's the only reason he stays there. Kyrie Irving said this. He said he admitted the team's in a very particular. Uh, Peculiar. Peculiar. Thank, thank you, Mikey, That's for 
place in this offseason because of the way their roster is constructed. He said they're just, you know, it, it, it's an awkward, it's a strange place. What I have mean, they done? They've gone and got Jeff Green, who's... Which, which? No, but everyone's... I know what you're going to say. Everyone's waiting for him. Oh, it's going to be this year. It's going to be. No, no, I'm not, not going to say. Happen. No, no, no. But is and Jeff Calderon a 36 year old? But you ask guard. yourself, okay, how much is Jeff Green better than an Omri Caspi or a Nick Young or, or a Rudy Gay? These other the contenders. Warriors just go and get the right player at the right in the right position. They know what they're going to use him for, okay, but and they use it to they perfection. Get, they but get Jordan Bell. Okay, perfect. In the pick 36 or whatever. But but you have to put a Jeff look. Green in the. In the final two minutes of a game five in, yeah, in the you're finals. Yeah, probably not. But he's not there to be in the final two minutes of a game five of the finals. What I'm saying is getting Jeff Green. Look, I, I'm not a massive Jeff Green fan. I mean, he, he's been waiting for, for him to break out. It's probably not going to happen. But what I'm saying is at least he's a guy that can make an impact and he's not a 36-year-old washed-up veteran, which is the way that they've been signing a lot of their players. At least he can bring a, a tad of freshness. And Eunice, you have Derek Williams having an off-season. He showed a lot of good signs last year. So there is, there's something there, but there's just they still haven't signed a general manager, which is just uh, it's it's unprecedented. It's why LeBron left in 2010. I Dan mean, Gilbert is toxic. The direction that this team is heading there now, is no direction. Will it affect them in the immediate season? In you know, this season, who knows? No, because, I don't think so. Because, because the core's still going to be there, right? And the East so is such a weak. Yeah, they're still going to win a lot of games. But this is more about than just winning and losing games because this. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like when you see what other teams are doing. I mean, we mentioned the Rocket Spurs Warriors. They've made slight improvements. Um, we spoke about Boston just then. They've made a massive, massive jump in their talent pool over the off season, and you just see Cleveland that are just they're just cruising along. You know, like I said, I'd, I've got some optimism that Jeff Green could be a nice signing. Jose Calderon, not so much. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like this. There's something not right here. And you feel like it's going to come to the end of the season or this time next year where it's all just going to... The earthquake will occur. You can feel the cracks beneath. And next year, it will all happen. If LeBron departs, it's hard, hard to see Love and Irving not following suit. You imagine they go as well. And then all of a sudden, you've got no young assets on this team. You've got limited draft picks. Pardon? You think Irving would go as well? I don't see the reasoning for him to stay if LeBron left. I don't see. And he has, he's hinted at that. As yeah, well. he has. I, I wouldn't. I don't think the desire would be to stay. Not 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 in, not in the current climate of the league where it's just superstars joining joining with superstars. What's his contract like, you know. I'm pretty sure he's got about. You've caught me out there red-handed, but it's. Uh, I mean, let me let me find it. All right, I just. I don't know. Like I said, he's hinted at it, and in this. Um, climate where superstars are joining up with other superstars to make super teams, you get the feeling he's not going to want to be left on his own stranded in Cleveland. He's he's signed for three more years, so through until 2019-2020, on about 20 mil, 21 mil a year. So at the end of this season, he'll have two years left on a pretty decent contract, I'd say, for someone of his caliber. Right, and he's going to have massive trade value. So Cleveland will be able to get something back for him. but And a a player option. So he could... Effectively, after eighteen nineteen, he can he's out anyway. Yeah, he's exactly. A, so free, well, it's, it's it's not he's like, a restricted free agent. But yeah, it's not. Hang on. Yeah, I've, so I've got him. He's contracted for this year, and then the next year, and then the year after that, he can obviously get out. Nineteen twenty is a player option. Oh well, 
Thanks, Hoopshot, for letting me down for that one, but that's okay. Well, I'm on spot track or spot rack anyway. Yeah, I just don't see from what he's from where he started, then he had LeBron and then the hype they've gone through, the three straight finals. It would be very hard at twenty seven. I know it's not old, but it's definitely not young to start again in Cleveland and they haven't really ever done much without a LeBron in the team. You look at Dan Gilbert, and he—I he, believe he's a very toxic owner. He, you know, they, they call him—you know—the the co GM. Obviously, he's the only GM at the moment. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with uh, with Luke. I don't like agreeing with people, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I couldn't imagine him staying either. I just I just don't see why. Hey, Chris, as a Boston fan, does it make you confident you're seeing this happening in Cleveland? Yes, I still think that it's going to be very tough to get by you this year. Yep. I don't think that there's quite, uh, we don't quite have the talent to get past LeBron this year. But look, my, my opinion on whether he sticks around has changed a lot in the last couple of months. And now I'm heavily leaning towards him going to mm. the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever. It, it seems pretty clear that he's going to go somewhere in Los Angeles at the moment. In which case, as soon as he does that, then the East is well and truly open for a, for a Boston Celtics reign for a couple of years until Philadelphia gets to stage where we are, or even the Bucks. I think yeah. these teams are kind of going to be the future of the East post-LeBron. We, um, I saw it, when I'm saying this, I mean, I'd love LeBron to finish his career in Cleveland personally, but um, I saw a tweet from Ben Simmons. He did the two eyes emoji in it. There's, 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 there was a rumor I heard off Rachel Nichols saying, that maybe he's trying to recruit LeBron to Philadelphia. Now, we didn't talk about this off-air, but is there any possibility that LeBron could go to Philadelphia? No. <laughs> I don't think or am, so. I, am, I, am I dreaming? Dreaming. Um, <laughs> Definitely dreaming. Yeah, I think... Because we saw LeBron um, and Benson's together at Summer League. Yep. They've got the same agent. Nike meeting rather than a Philly meeting. <laughs> so just, just simmer down. One can there. dream. Simmer down, simmer down, <laughs> simmer down the excitement. If I'm able to speculate on the Celtics, nah, in yep. the Davis mid-year, go for your life. Yeah. Why not? Hey, that's what, it's silly season. That's what this season is for. It's for just, it's, it's for dreaming about what could happen. Um, and that brings us to the end of another edition of the SCN NBA podcast. It was definitely a fun one. Plenty to speak about, even if the season ended months ago. Before we finish, Michael, where can we find you on Twitter and all that type of stuff? Yeah, find me on Twitter, mickvel 12 for some interesting conversations. Chris? At Christoph Tyler. Beautiful. You can find me on Twitter, at Luke Sakari At SEN America is the hub for all of us. Hashtag SEN NBA podcast as well. If you want to get involved or answer any questions, that you send through. And until next time, we'll be back next week on the SEN NBA podcast.